You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Yes and amen. If you're on the outskirt, outside chair, you have a bucket under your chair, I believe, if everything has gone to plan. Why don't you pass that along gladly. And ladies and gentlemen, with your spare hand, put it together and welcome Maureen Moores to the red corner. Thank you. Can, can you see her above this? Is, well, well, I could put it down here. Chad, I just have one thing to say. They don't make diamonds as big as boulders. this messy church don't you love it i love messy church it shows that something's going on shows something's going on and amazing i have to tell you he some of my favorite three things belong start with b and yeah you, you had two of them today balloons beth and bubbles and if I had a fourth one, it would be brandy snaps. So if anyone's got brandy snaps in their bag. <clears throat> well, another year has passed. A baby makes a difference. This last two weeks, Beth and I, if you look into our eyes, you will just see exhaustion. As some of you know, um, Beth and I are both chaplains at the local primary school. Beth is the super chaplain who also does hours at Port Elliot. And for the past two weeks, we've had the privilege of telling the real story of Christmas. And I worked it out, Beth, I think we would have done over 400 kids between us. You know, when people say um, in the public schools they're shoving Christ out, if you place people in there that God has put there, you can't change that. God will use those people. So, so we've had that privilege, but it's been quite exhausting. I never want to make another wreath till next year. I never want to see another glittery star. I think we would have used probably a couple of thousand stickers. But, you know, the main thing was we were able to share the story of an unexpected Christmas. And I'd just like to show you one of the clips we've used. Have you ever wondered what we might see if we could pull back the curtain of time to that very first Christmas? If we could, I imagine the story began in heaven, something like this. God was looking over heaven's balcony one day, shaking his head at all the wrong things people were doing down on earth. Oh man, this isn't quite what I had in mind when I created earth. I feel so far away from my kids down there. It's just hard to be friends with people when you don't like what they're doing. I think it's time. Time for what, Lord? Time for us to step in. Shall we ready the army, Lord? Take you to listen? No, I don't think we should an army. Maybe it's just one person. One person? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! 
Lord, we're sending just one person. Left with someone very powerful and very strong. Because there's tons of people down there. No, they don't have to be strong. They'll be going as a newborn baby. A newborn baby? baby? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! Lord, this plan is rather risky. A newborn human baby is small and weak. This baby must be born to people who will protect him. Maybe a great ruler or mighty king? Actually, I was thinking I could send him to a young peasant girl whose heart is beautiful and full of courage. A peasant girl? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! My lord, I see you're planning to take Earth by surprise. No one will be expecting a newborn baby born to a humble villager. But what good can a baby do? This will not just be any baby. I'm sending in the Prince of Heaven in disguise. The Prince of Heaven? Our Prince? Your son? Lord, this is too risky. Sending the Prince in disguise is a tiny baby, born not to kings, but to humble villagers. Surely our Prince cannot be born in a cottage. He must be born in a palace. You're right. He shouldn't be born in a cottage. Phew. He'll be born in a stable. Those who are looking will find him, and his mission will bring all people closer to me, even if they do something really wrong. When the prince is done, nothing will get between them and my love. Can we leave some clues for the people looking? Like in the stars? Clues in the stars? Sure, why not? We can make one huge one that points to him. looked at their hopeful faces and his heart was touched by their love for the fence. Alright, you can sing. Yay! But not in front of the whole world. That would just be weird. And no kings or rulers. How about we sing for some shepherds? That's a lonely job. Those blokes could do with some cheering up. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. And then we went on with the next little bit that actually goes through the nativity. Now, I love this clip, and, and I've used it many times. But this year, I saw things in it that had never hit me before. When I saw the boy playing God, looking over the balcony, watching what was going on, how, fa how the father's heart must break. How the father's heart must break for his children, for us. And then the shock in heaven. What? You're sending the prince of heaven? Your, our prince? Your son? Better now is saying how relevant the birth of Jesus is. That story for today. Pregnant teenager. Dealt with that in the last few weeks. A baby that had two dads. And in fact, one of the little boys in one of the last classes I did came to me and he said, he had two dads like me just like me. Very relevant today. 
three wise men who were rulers. Hard to find three wise men in government these days. But the story is really relevant for today. At Christmas time, we all get super busy. Oh, it's a countdown time. Who has heard that? I'm fed up of people telling me how many days it is to go. It still will come on the 25th of December. There's so much to do. And I'm no exception. I had the privilege, as with Beth, of speaking into dozens of lives this week. But it seemed like a marathon for us both. I think if anybody would have come alongside of us by Friday, they could have picked us up and carried us out. But you know what a privilege to be telling the true story of Christmas. You know, it was really important for both of us. We have teachers coming and asking us to do that. We don't get permission. We have, we just, teachers come. And as soon as we put, put up a list, teachers book us out. And... Uh, it's funny, the opposition that we had this year was from little six-year-olds. One from another thing who, you know, it was really cruel what he was saying to the other child, how he was going to burn, how he's going to die horribly, if he believed it. Um, another one bailed me up and told me there was no such thing as God. He's six years old. Where does he get this home? Um, but telling the story this year... You know, it, it, there was something different. Even though we were exhausted at all the craft, the joy of doing this, the actual story was beyond measure. So 2,000 years ago, a baby was born, and we called him Jesus. You know what? He changed the course of history, and it profoundly affected our lives today. That baby made an incredible difference to the world. One baby make the difference. Now, I just want to tell you that babies are still making a difference today. Because of 2,000 years ago, babies, because of God, because of God sending his son, because of Jesus dying on the cross, we're still experiencing the miracle of birth today. The first baby I want to tell you about is a boy called Tobias. I first saw Tobias in his on a scan when he was in his mummy's tummy. Rob and I were, 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 were part of, uh, were pastors of the family at the time, and we were asked to go up and pray with the family. And things had shown up in that scan to say things weren't quite going to plan. That night we saw not just we in Victor Harbour called to pray, but actually we saw a whole world called to prayer for this very special baby. And actually, I have to tell you, nine years on, a whole world is still called to prayer for this special baby. I sat talking to Toby one morning after church at the middle of the year. And we were just chatting, and I said, do you know, Toby, that you're a miracle? And he just nodded and said yes. <laughs> now, Toby's story keeps going on. It just keeps going on. But you know what I see? is an amazing young boy with a whole lot of brave and a whole lot of courage. Even this morning, I know he really didn't want to be up here. He didn't want to be the shepherd. He just wanted to go home. But that young man took on a whole lot of brave and a whole lot of courage. 
I see God holding a family up in the hardest of times. And I know of people who were called to prayer all over the world that I see still praying nine years on. And now I see a hip-hop dancer in the making and brilliant. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Then we come to baby number two and I'm actually going to let Kim tell that baby's story. Good morning. I'm very excited to be able to um, share our baby's story Um, because the whole way through when we were um, standing for a miracle, I would pray and say, thank you, Lord. One day I know I'm going to be able to stand up and tell people what you have done. And that's one of the things that I held on to. So (laughs) today is one of those days. So I really, really enjoy it. Um, So I'm glad that there's still some kids left in the in the room today because I've just got some questions to start us off before I get into my story. Um, Who here can tell me how God created the world? If you can, just shoot your hand up. (laughs) I know it's scary. I don't like doing it either when people ask questions from here. All right, Charlie? Yep, he pictured it and then what did he do? Yeah, can anyone elaborate? He did, he pictured it and then what happened? Yeah, he spoke, that's right. So God said, light be and light was. So would you agree that words are really powerful? Yeah, yep. So we can see how God showed us how he created the world tells us two things. One, that words are extremely powerful and important things. And two, that the spiritual world, the world that we can't necessarily see or touch and taste and whatever with our physical bodies, that world is actually in charge of the physical world that we can touch and taste and see. So what we can't see with our human eyes can be created and changed by the physical world, uh, by the spiritual world rather. Um, and the exciting thing is that God said that his words are spirit and they are life. So when we come across something in the physical world that we need changing, we know we can go to the word of God, which is spirit and life, and that spirit words can change and create whatever we need. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit of background. So just keep in your mind the, the power of words, right? Um, and so because God sent Jesus as a little baby um, and he lived and he died for us, that then gave um, me the opportunity, my family, the opportunity to experience a miracle too that we never would have had had God not sent Jesus. Um, all right, so now I'm going to tell you my story. I am going to read a little bit because otherwise I'll ramble and I want to get this right. So... Just bear with me. Um, Okay, so when I was um, quite young, I got pregnant and we went and had our first scan, a bit like Tobias, we had our first scan and on that um, showed up some things that were not good. Um, We were told that um, our baby would never walk, uh, that baby would never... um, its brain function would be limited because it had spinal damage and and um, that, yeah, even if the baby survived going through the traumatic process of birth, um, that that baby would basically be a vegetable and we would have a lifetime's worth of caring for that child in that state. 
And so if you imagine, well, I was probably a little bit older than most of you guys, but if you imagine, you know, you think you've got your whole life ahead of you and then somebody says, no, you're going to be a full-time carer for your entire life <laughs> and you're always, you're never going to get to see your child grow up and, um, you know, experience life. You're, you're always going to be taking care of that child. They're never going to leave home. You're going to have 100% of the responsibility. That's pretty scary and... Um, and the doctor said to us, look, you are too young to handle this and um, there really is no hope. So our professional opinion to you is just to abort. We, we don't see any reason why you should carry on with this pregnancy whatsoever. Um, so that was really, really hard to hear. So we went home and um, I, I spoke to, well, I, I can't even remember how I got there. I ended up at my mum's house. That was a blur. And um, I, I handed her the photo. Of course, I'm crying. She thinks I'm happy, but no, it was sad. Um, anyway, so she picks up that something's wrong. And so we went to the bathroom and she said, what's, what's happening? And I told her everything that the doctor had said. And um, I tell you what, my, I was just so scared I couldn't think straight. And um, I'm so grateful um, that, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian home where my mum knew what to do. Um, and so I was blabbering on, whatever, and um, my mum just said no, and it was like a physical slap across the face. She didn't actually hit me, but it felt like that. She said it with such authority. No, we are not going to have that. That is not what God has promised. He's promised other things for you, and um, whose report are you going to believe? You've got a choice. You can believe what the doctors are saying, in, it's happening in the natural, or you can choose to put rubber on the road and run with God. And um, that seemed like a really simple choice to me at the time because I thought, well, you're right. I, I believe God. So then that changes everything. So we went back to um, the doctors and uh, we said, look, we respect you know, what you've said. We understand what you're saying, but we respect a higher authority. And God has said that, you know, by his stripes we have been healed, so we're going to believe for a miracle. And they all thought we were crazy, and that was okay, because, you know, sometimes you've got to be a bit crazy to get something really, really good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm so grateful um, that I had a mum who knew what to do. But also, for you kids, you're going through Sunday school, and you're, you've got your memory verses and whatever. That is so important. It's so important while you're young to get scriptures down into your heart so that when a time of crisis comes and your mind just goes blank, that your spirit has those things stored up inside of you that can just jump up and give you what you need. And that's what happened to me. I could remember scriptures that my Sunday school teachers had taught me came up over the next couple of days and other truths that I had known and maybe forgotten, the Holy Spirit brought back to my remembrance and I could stand on them and it gave me strength when everything around me felt really, you know, crumbly. Um, yeah, so, and God gives us a promise there. In John 14, 26, it says that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And that was true. He reminded me of all these scriptures that I'd learnt as a young child and going up through teenage years. Um, and over the next couple of days, the Holy Spirit reminded me of three scriptures in particular that I was to stand on and, and make my fight on. Um, one of them was Matthew 6, verse 10. And Jesus said, pray like this, God... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I took that and I went, okay, 
well, there's no sick babies in heaven. There's no crippled babies in heaven. So, Lord, I'm going to declare that in my life it's going to be as it is in heaven. I'm not going to accept the natural side of things. Um, the next one was Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So when God says that he's made something good, he's saying that it's perfect. It's, it's at the absolute best that it can be. And I thought, well, would my life be at the absolute best that it could be if I was a, you know, in full-time care and my baby couldn't walk and she couldn't grow and she had brain damage? And I said, no, that, that's not God's best. So, Lord, I declare your best over my baby and Satan, you take your hands off because this is God's baby and she will have the best. Um, and the third one was Joshua 1.8. Well, it starts a bit earlier, but be strong and be very courageous, then verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You will meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. And so in that scripture, God was telling me, well, well he, was, he was doing the miracle, right? But my part was to do these things. Meditate on his promises day and night. Fill my heart, fill my mind, fill my spirit with his promises because then my way would be prosperous and I would have good success. Um, and it was amazing, you know, God, God knows what's going to happen before we do and he makes plans and he puts things in place ready for those things. Um, a couple of months before um, I went for my scan, God had asked, well, showed my mother a, um, a teaching series all about healing and health and faith and whatever and at the time she was like oh I don't know why you want me to get that but I'll get it anyway so that was ready and waiting for me as soon as I needed it I had that teaching series and it was about 12 CDs and I would listen to them day and night have them playing over me at night time and um and just be in total agreement and total immersion with the promises of God because what I had to do was change my thinking from natural thinking to spiritual thinking and sometimes that takes total immersion in what God says and not what the world says um, so where am I up to? Okay, so we, we went along and you would think, you know, I was praying for, you know, a quick miracle. I wanted to see things change, obviously, straight away. It was a highly stressful situation. And, um, you know, we went along month after month and nothing was changing. And, in fact, things were getting worse and they were finding more things. And we had the top specialists in South Australia on our case and they were giving us all their well-meaning advice. And we got to the, the stage where um, they, they literally did think we were a bit, bit crazy. So they set us down with a psychiatrist who um, said in very nice terms, you are being cruel to this baby that you are bringing into the world. Um, the quality of life for this child is zero. And you just wanting to hold on to your religious ideas. How cruel. And <laughs> I sort of, okay, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, hadn't looked at it that way. But I thought, no, my, my father, my God, he's a loving father. And a loving father wouldn't tell me to hold on to his promises just so that I could bring a child into the world that wasn't going to have any quality of life. Um, I'm doing what my loving father has told me to do, so therefore I believe I'm being a loving parent. Um, and that was just my, that was my take on it. Anyway. So, um, yeah, like I said, we'd, we'd go in for scans and, and things hadn't changed and 
all the time that they'd be talking about it and trying to show me things. I would just be under my breath quoting scriptures and, you know, they'd try and show me things and I'd say, well, that's okay because, you know, I walk by faith and not by sight. And uh, just constantly, whenever a negative thing was spoken over this baby, I would replace it with the, the word of God straight away. Um, and whenever I did feel myself feeling a bit frightened or, you know, getting a bit worried about, you know, different things that have been said to me, I knew that that was a clear sign that, you know, I needed to put more word into me. I needed to focus more on what God said. Um, and so I'd get, I'd get back into it. And I thought I'd bring this in because what, um, what I did is... This, this is one of three. <laughs> one of three books that I filled... Up, I searched the Bible and I wrote out every single scripture that I could find to do with health and healing and the promises of God. And I, I wrote them all out. I searched them out in the Greek and the Hebrew and I expanded them. I just devoted my entire world to that. Um, so whenever I was feeling a little bit you know, scared, I'd go and I'd read through these again. And there's so much good stuff, honestly, so much good stuff in the word of God to encourage us and to strengthen us. Like here's one. Philippians 4 verse 6, do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And that's really what it did. The more word I put in, the more peace I had. Even though everything was going crazy on the outside, I had the peace of God and I knew that we had the victory. Um... While I was searching out the scriptures, um, I found another really interesting thing that I thought I'd share with, with you guys. Um, so Jesus, in a lot of his teaching stories, he said that our words are like seeds. Um, so who here has ever planted a seed? We've all planted, most of us at some stage we've planted a seed, right. Um, did it sprout up instantly? No. Did it, the next day, did you get up and was there a fully grown plant with a flower on it. Not generally, unless it's a real special supercharged seed. Um, so <laughs> that's where I've been stuck. Um, so did you, th- did you think that the seed was dead? If it, when it didn't spring up the next day or the next week, did you think it was dead? No? Or did you assume that there was just something going on underneath the surface that you couldn't see yet? Hmm. So Jesus showed me that even though, you know, while I was waiting month after month to see something different with my physical eyes, that my words were seeds and my prayers were seeds. And, you know, the prayers of my parents, they were seeds. And my husband's prayers, they were seeds. And even though we couldn't see a change yet, something was happening. We just had to hang in there. Um, And that's, yeah, a great lesson to learn. Like, just don't give up. God is faithful and true to what he says. Um, so anyway, we got up to the night before we were due to be induced to have this baby and um, they, they still said, you know, things are terrible, we're going to have a team of, you know, crack surgeons and, and whatever on hand because we're expecting as soon as you deliver this baby we're going to have massive problems. Um, I was like, yeah, yep, yeah, all right. And uh, my mum, my mum, she'd been so strong through all of this and she still was strong, but she was a little bit worried about how flippant I seemed about it. Um, I didn't think it was flippancy. I'm more just, I was rock solid and the peace of God just had me and I wasn't worried at all. And she said, look, I know what we're, we're believing for. I know what you want, um, but what if it doesn't happen tomorrow? What if a miracle hasn't manifested by tomorrow? 
um, how are you going to handle that in reality? Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, no, no, like, I, it won't bother me, Mum, it's okay. And so she left and I was alone in my hospital room and I heard the voice of God so clearly said to me, okay, so that's, I know that's what you'll say to everybody. You say, that's fine, I'm still believing, I'm, I'm pressing on with God, but what's going to be your internal uh, dialogue that only I can see and hear? Are you going to be cross with me? Are you going to give up? Are you going to say, no, nah, tried that once, didn't work, that's it, walking away from it? What's going to be your heart's true response? And I said, Lord, I know that I know that I know that you are faithful. I am convinced without a shadow of a doubt that you've got this in hand. My job is not to worry about whether it happens tomorrow or next year. My job is just to believe. So if you want to heal her tomorrow, I'm good with that. But if you want to wait for six months, so the doctors have seen all the stuff, they've done all the tests, they've touched everything, they've whatever, and then you heal her after six months, how much more of a miracle is that? Like, how much more will they be? Like, what? You know, amazing. So I said, God, it's, it's in your hands. I know you love me. I know you love my baby. I know you love my family. I don't have to worry about it, and I'm not worried. Um, so anyway, we, we went in, had the baby, and she came out kicking. And these were legs that, on a scan, had not developed. They were shriveled. They, it was like a normal baby to the waist and then below had not developed at all. We had a team of specialists just go, <laughs> did not know what to do. Um, I must admit I was a bit out of it, so I didn't, wasn't really paying attention to all the reactions. But my mum said and my husband said that these doctors just literally stared for a couple of seconds and then went, we better do something, we better test this baby, we better see what's going on here. Um, So yeah, she she was born, her legs were completely healed and formed. Um, They went and did all their tests, Um, they could not find anything wrong with her legs. Uh, There was no brain damage, no loss of brain function. Um, They said to me, because they couldn't explain it, they said, you know, within, we're expecting as she grows, things with her spinal cord, as it stretches, it may, you know, she may lose function. By five years old, we're expecting her to be in a wheelchair. And so we said, that's fine. We're not going to receive that. So five years came and went. We went and had our tests done. Not only did they say she's at a normal level, that she, they said she's far above a normal child in her intelligence, in her, you know, <laughs> movement and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, amazing, amazing. Glory, glory to God. So I've shared this story with you just to remind you that miracles do still happen. Um, and that, you know, when, when mum saw that Eve was completely healed, she said, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you so much for this miracle. And he said to her, no, thank you for choosing to believe me. And it says, this is particularly for you kids, um, it says in the Bible in Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 that God is constantly scanning and searching over the whole earth so that he might show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts trust him. So whatever might seem like an impossible problem in your life, God is looking and waiting for you just to trust him so that he can show himself strong enough to take care of it. So read your Bible, (laughs) know what God says, and I guarantee there is not one problem that you will come across in life that God has not provided books full of promises for you to stand on and and get victory. Um, So I just want to pray quickly before I sign off.
Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that I've had to be able to share um, just what you're capable of, Lord, and what you want to do for each and every one of us, Father. There is no detail too small or too big that you can't handle in our lives, Father God. And I just pray that you would anoint the words that I've spoken over, you know, especially the children, but the adults as well, Father God, that if there's anything that I've said in this this whole testimony, Father God, that um, you could quicken to them, Father, that you would, Holy Spirit, bring to their remembrance when they come across a situation um, that's too big for them to handle, Father, that you would quicken my words in their hearts, Father God, that you would be big, as big for them as you were for us, Father God. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for coming, for willing to be that baby to come to earth so that you could be a sacrifice, so that we have access to healing, to, to saving, to deliverance, to everything we need, Father God. You provided it all in that baby and then on the cross. Father, we're just so grateful and all the praise and the glory and the honour goes to you. Amen. Baby number two. Baby number three is indirectly our granddaughter Darcy. Her mum Kiralee worked with me at school. She was the other chaplain. And when she announced she was having a baby, it was great excitement. First grandchild on both sides, amazing excitement. All the teachers, all the kids at school were so excited. And one of the teachers, Mrs Robbins, decided to do something special. Now, Mrs. Robbins is a great teacher. The thing I noticed about Mrs. Robbins back then was that she always took the kids that were a little bit difficult. When they were working out classes, the teachers would look and go, oh, oh, at certain children's names. Yes, teachers do that. And, um, but Jan would say, I'll have them, give them to me. So she often ended up with a, class of, with a difficult mix of kids. But she worked hard on giving them balance and tools to help regulate themselves. So in the fourth term, she decided that she would knit a blanket with the class for this special baby. So she, after lunch every day, she taught the children to knit. Oh boy. Each kid had to knit a square and it was made into a blanket for this precious baby soon to be born. Finally, the blanket was finished and Mrs. Robbins took it home, backed it and bound it and edged it with love. Thought I'd show you the blanket. Quite beautiful. Very lovely for a new baby to lay. Oh, wrong side. And as soon as I saw this, God spoke to me. And he said to me, you know, Maureen, that's much like my people. You're all different. Sorry. It's much like my people. Different colours, different shapes. Some even have holes in them. Some even have dropped stitches. Have you ever felt like a drop stitch? I know I have. And you know, this blanket to me then became the most beautiful piece because it reminded me 
of the church. And sometimes when we feel like the drop stitches and we're not sure where we belong or we think we've got a hole in us, you know, that's what 2,000 years ago this baby was born for us to feel, not to feel, because it wasn't just a baby. It was a son of God, the prince of heaven, the great I am, the baby who grew up into a man, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who made the blind to see, and then went to the cross for you and me. So no matter what shape we are, no matter when we feel like drop stitches, that's what that baby was born to take away. Now back to my cherubs from school. You know, when Beth and I were showing constantly this clip, because we have to tell the children we, we are Christians and this is what we believe, and we were telling them it was more about the toys, etc. But for Beth and I, it was something that God did in our hearts. And uh, there were times where we'd just look at each other. And I looked at Beth at one stage and there was tears pouring down her face. And I started to cry. And there we were sat in front of these year threes, crying our eyes out. Because God spoke to us in every session in a different way. Anyway... My little cherubs, I, I talked to this group of year fives and, and these kids said, oh, we're Christians, Maureen. We go to church. And I went, excellent. But as we were doing the craft later on, I heard this little group say, no, you can't join us. We're the Christian group. So I went over to my Christian groups. <laughs> And I told them, you know, going into a chookyard doesn't make you a chook. Harsh, don't judge me. Because Beth and I have had yellow forms from these kids all year. I have to say, I did go back and explain what being a Christian is to them. But it made me think about myself and the church, especially at Christmas time. What do people see of us at the church? Do they see us preparing to celebrate the birth of our saviour, the great I am, the man that raised people from the dead? Or are we just caught up in the busyness of the season? As I said, I've spent four weeks telling children and their teachers, it's not about presents, it's not just about Santa or food. But you know, I had to stop and remind myself about it too. It's about stopping and remembering what sacrifices were made for me and for you. I never want to see myself in that Christian group that doesn't look different from any the rest. I want to remember that this about, is about celebrating that Prince of Heaven, that Great I Am, that King of Kings, the healer, the miracle worker, and celebrating the miracles that we see today. There's a line in the clip when they ask, how will they find him? And the kid playing God says, those who seek him will find him. Even if they've done wrong, there is nothing that will get between my people and my love. So this Christmas, this season, 
I didn't purposely have a lot of scripture up today because I did want Kim to share and wanted to tell the other two stories. But, you know, my challenge for you, and there's no chocolate frogs next week, or maybe because we had lots left over, but my challenge for you is to do what I had to do this week when I found myself caught up in the busyness of the season, was to just go get my Bible and sit and read the story of what it's all about. And remember that baby, baby that was born, is really the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Thank you. I think the worship team, have we got nothing? If we can get the worship team to come up. And we're going to finish off with this song of celebration. And at the end, we'll uh, call you up for prayer if you would like that. So up to your feet and let's celebrate Jesus together. Celebrate? Yep. We'll do a celebrating one. Wasn't that good? Why don't you show your appreciator from Maureen again? Come on, let's joy, let's joy to the world this, okay? And sing it like you mean it this morning. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.